read you a story of something I got to do with my dad yesterday. It's kind of a special time when a child gets to spend time one-on-one -on -one with a parent, and I had a chance to do that with my dad. Uh, we went to a football game, which is one of his favorite things, and when I invited him to go with me, his first response was, yes, but do you really want to go with me? And so I was thinking, I must not be that great of a daughter if his automatic reaction is, did you mean someone else? But um, we had a wonderful time. Uh, we were in the car for a couple hours, so we got to catch up on life. Uh, he retired a couple of years ago, so we chatted about that. And I could update him on my family and my work, and we just had a really good time reconnecting and, and catching up. And at the end of the night, too, we both made the promise that we need to do that more often. Um, and I think that's true of, of so many people. Uh, we get busy with our own lives and then fail to really have a good connection on a personal level with people. And I was reflecting on that um, in light of my relationship with God as well. So sometimes we get busy with life and we don't always connect with God as often or as deeply as we should. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be awful if God's first reaction to us, opening our hearts to him was, do you really mean me? Is it me you're talking to? And maybe we talk so much to him about our life and our problems, we don't spend enough time listening to what he has to say to us. So there are, are definitely ways we can improve on that. And I think we have to make the commitment to really connect so we're not finding that at the end of our conversation, we say we should be doing this more and more often. We should just be doing it. And today we have the opportunity to do that. Uh, we have an organized time of worship together this morning where we can come to God. So regardless of whether you've connected with him five times this morning already, or if you felt like you haven't had a chance to do that in the last five years, today is your opportunity to do that with a community of believers at our church today. We, we do have the privilege of hearing from Jeff Vandermolen to speak to us today about listening to God's message for our lives. And Jeff, um, I'm going to get his title right here. He's the Director of Vocational Formation at Calvin Seminary. So I'm eager to hear his words of wisdom in that regard. We also have a time to connect as a community after the service. We invite you all to a meet and greet with the elders and deacons in the West Wing. I'm told there will be coffee and treats uh, and lots of good conversation. So please join us for that as well. And as we start our time of worship today, I invite you to stand and say hello to those sitting next to you. I'd like to share these words from Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. 
We gather today to worship and sing to our Savior, Jesus, because he's worthy of every act of honor that we could ever give to him. It's because of Christ that we can even be here in the presence of our holy God. So together, let's sing boldly using the beautiful name of our King of Kings. some of you, but we're excited to share it with you. Please join us in singing King of Kings. 
King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the one who walked our earth, and whose light shines through all darkness, 
God's only Son. The one in whom life is given. Our Lord. Our guide, our teacher, our friend. Who is conceived by the Holy Spirit. By his life brought a new kingdom. Born of the Virgin Mary. He sang love song over all creation. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Rejected by the powers of the world. Was crucified. Executed by those same powers. Died. Sharing the same death of us all. And was buried. Love had been killed. He descended to the dead. And they thought this was the end. But on the third day, nothing could contain, bind, or hold the life Jesus began. He rose again. And the story continues. Of renewal, transformation, and life. I believe in. I am reborn through. Jesus.
This morning, we are delighted to welcome Joel and Karen Boot to Ivanrest Church. They're seated right here. Joel joins us in a unique way as our interim pastor, basically working himself out of a job. This morning, we officially welcome Joel into this role. So Joel, I invite you to come up at this time and join me here before your partners in ministry. Partners in ministry is what we are. It is your task, and we hope your joy, to help us, this community, grow in faith with one another as we seek God's kingdom and his will for our lives. A true leader works among those they lead, and Joel, we look forward to you working alongside us. We look forward to seeing you use your gifts and passions to further Ivan Rest's ministry and to share the truth and light of the gospel in a broken world. As we work together to further Christ's kingdom, we recognize that you, just like all of us, have unique God-given skills and gifts. We honor and greatly welcome how God has called you here to this place to use those gifts. So together as a church community and interim pastor, we enter into a covenant together to use our gifts alongside one another to glorify God. And in this covenant, we charge you with these tasks. Lead us in worshiping our almighty God and proclaim the good news of the gospel and what it means for us today. Serve our teams tasked with reviewing the past and planning the future of Ivanrest in a way that strengthens and enhances the mission and unity of this body of believers. Work with the church council and staff to discern the direction of Ivanrest Church and prepare us for the ministry of a pastor who will be called by this body. For Joel to be successful, each one of us must partner with him. We must be willing to accept Joel's help. So this morning, I also challenge all of us as well in this partnership. Pray for, encourage, and help Joel as a partner in our journey of faith. Come here with a deep desire to love God, to love one another, and to love all of his people, willing to do that within this diverse community in ways that are both comforting and challenging. Come here willing to be encouraged and challenged by Joel and willing to encourage and challenge him in godly ways. I invite you, Ivan Rest Church, to receive Joel and his gifts as God's gifts given to you to help you know him more. Joel, God has called you here to this community at this time for his purposes. Serve him by serving us in profound and simple ways. Family of Ivan Rest Church, God has called you here in this community at this time for his purposes. Serve him by serving each other, including Joel, in profound and simple ways. Together, as partners in ministry, God's kingdom will come and his will will be done in us and through us. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and I would like this time of prayer to be not only for Joel as he begins his ministry here with us, 
but also for the rest of the Ivan Rest staff who together share a calling to this community. So I'd invite any staff members who are here to come up at this time and join us. This is the team of people who need your encouragement and support and prayers. So will all of the rest of you please stand as we join together in a time of prayer. Almighty God, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts. Thankful, Lord, that you are a faithful God who loves us dearly, who has saved us and who calls us to serve him. Thank you, Lord, that you have been faithful to Ivanrest Church through all of its years and that we can trust and depend that you will be faithful to us going forward. Thank you, Lord, that you brought us to Joel and that you worked in Joel's heart to be willing to uh, speak with us and to be willing finally to obey you and accept a call here to be interim pastor at Ivanrest Church. Thank you, Lord, for um, Joel's example of obedience and faithfulness, and we pray, Lord, that you will bless his work here, that you will bless him as he interacts with the staff, as together they do your work here. We pray, Father, that you'll bless Joel's interactions with the church council and with the transition team as we seek um, the next leader, the next shepherd for this church. We pray, Father, that you will bless their work together. And we pray, too, Lord, for Joel and Karen as a couple as they join Ivanrest Church for this period of time, that they may feel loved and welcomed, that they may find their place of service and their place, Lord, too, to accept the love of the people around them. So, Father, as we continue in worship this morning, we do so with grateful and thankful hearts, trusting that you have the very best plan for us and that you will make your ways clear to us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, we're going to continue our worship with our offering, and so you may be seated. And I'd also like to invite up um, Ron Groon, who is going to be representing the Growing Young team and introduce um, some information about that. Welcome, Ron. Good morning. As Lois mentioned, my name is Ron Grun, and for the past several months, um, I've been part of a team that's been taking a look at um, a study done by Fuller Theological Seminary. And um, part of it is young people are leaving the church. And actually, all of it is. Young people are leaving the church. And they did several years of research, and they found young people defined as ages 15 to 29 are not leaving Christ, but they're leaving the church. And we don't want that to happen in our church or any other church. All denominations are seeing this phenomenon of young people just leaving the church. And so we um, spent several weeks reading the book, um, discussing it, agonizing over it, assessing where we were as a church. And we just felt it was best that after we did our made our conclusions to have you partake in that um, assessment as well. And you may have already received um, email with the assessment. There are paper assessments in the back. If you'd like to complete one on paper, you don't have access to a computer, or it's just easier to fill it out on a piece of paper. Um, and there's a link, I believe, on the church website as well. 
So I'd just like to take this minute to invite you to watch a minute and 44 second video of a little more information um, and an invitation to um, please take this assessment. We need your help to see what the next steps are for us at Ivanrest. Today's young people have so much to offer. They are passionate, they raise important questions, they're eager to take action. If you're a young person, you know this already. And today's churches can become the best place for young people to grow, unleashing their potential to change the world. But none of this happens on accident. In fact, congregations today are seeing a growing divide between generations. Congregations are shrinking and aging, and many young people are walking away. Despite dismal trends nationwide, we've discovered hundreds of diverse, innovative churches engaging young people today. My name is Kara Powell. I'm a mom of teenagers, a church leader, and the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute at Fuller Seminary. We've conducted research with hundreds of churches that are thriving with young people. Then we designed the Growing Young Assessment to help your congregation focus its next steps. Whatever your age or life stage, your leaders need to hear your voice. When you take the assessment, you'll spend a few minutes answering questions confidentially about your church. This is an invitation to be honest. This is an invitation from your leaders to join the conversation, to help your church identify areas of strength and growth. Because your voice matters. Help your church by taking the Growing Young Assessment today. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer, and I would like to share with you Psalm 17, verses 6 and 7, where it says, I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show the wonder of your great love. Let's pray together, shall we? Almighty God, creator of all the heavens, declare your glory. All nature proclaims, proclaims the work of your hands. We cannot deny that creation is your story. We learn of your power and your existence and your faithfulness through it, and we thank you. May we lift your name in a, an unbroken, an unending uh, swell of praise and glory. And your word is your story. Your story of holiness and our sinfulness. A story of, of your love your gracious forgiveness, a story of our salvation. Lord, you know each one of us. 
you call us by name. May we hear your voice and may we follow you to freedom. Thank you, Father, for calling us together and being here with us. Thank you for this place where we can worship together, where, where we can become closer with each other, where we can gather and grow together as disciples of Jesus. Whether we are young or old or in between, inspire us to, to follow you, to love you, and to learn. There are lots of opportunities, and we, we thank you for opportunities that we have to, to make a difference globally and locally. May we seek and see uh, open doors of opportunities and boldly and faithfully step through them in service so, so that our deeds outrun our words. This morning we are reminded of the leadership here at Ivan Rest, and we, we just thank you for elders and deacons, for the opportunity we have to fellowship with them even today. We pray for your blessing on them as they reach out to people in their care communities to provide help and uh, to, to encourage, to support, to guide. We pray, too, that the efforts of the, the teams here at, at church and the staff will be blessed as they try to fill some of the areas that that are vacant right now. We, we are privileged to, to have Pastor Joel and Karen with us through a time of transition. And they and, and we have, a, have, have great expectations for, for rich blessings. Thank you for for people who have stepped forward to minister in student ministries and, and for the places that need volunteer leadership. May hearts be touched with a desire to mentor, to teach, to lead, to build relationships with the youth. And Lord, we pray that in all of this, your name may be glorified and your kingdom continue to grow. not just here, but in other places too. Um, we ask this morning that you will encourage Renee and her time in Croatia and, and Michael Cunnan in his work at Bridge Street Ministries for, for times maybe when the Spalinks and the Shardas and Mishmerheisens find the going tough and long and... Um, we pray for encouragement and support, that they may know that we are behind them, that we're praying for them, that we're lifting them up. And when the, the Brooks and the Benthams seek to know your will, make it clear to them. And may our hearts long to respond and to spend time 
in your word and in prayer. Lord, open our hearts so we desire to to reach out and grasp opportunities to learn more about you and your will for living. We thank you for Pastor Jeff as he leads us in in understanding your word. Um, may maybe may they be your words. May the Holy Spirit move through Jeff and in us so that our thoughts, our praise, our words, our deeds are accepting in your sight and that they glorify you. Lord, we thank you for listening to the prayers of your children. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you again. I think the last time I was here, things looked a little different. Uh, you've been busy, obviously. Someone told me it was a pretty dusty summer, but it looks like all the dust has paid off. The last time I was here, I think I was, uh, Pastor Tony was sitting over here and I didn't realize it. And I started talking about something with Pastor Tony. I don't have to worry about that today. Things have changed there as well, it sounds like. Honored to be here. And I know... Um, I looked at the list of people that you've had preaching here for the last little while, and, and then I realized Joel Boot's coming next, and I think, oh my goodness, I, I, will, I hope that together we can find our way through. Scott Jose told me what he had preached about here a few weeks ago, and, I, and then I realized, Scott Jose, okay. We got work to do here this morning. So um, I want to start with a simple statement, and we're going to use it a couple of times. I want you to think with me about uh, this statement. When we hear from someone who we know loves us, it can make all the difference in the world. When we hear from someone who loves us, it can make all the difference in the world. So uh, earlier on in my life, when I was dating my now wife, um, there was a year of time where we were separated. I was in one country, she was in another country. We weren't sure we were going to be married yet, but we were pretty interested in each other. And this is in the late 80s, so some of you need to maybe don't recognize that there was no cell phones, no FaceTime, no, no anything except, remember the long distance where you had to dial the numbers with your rotary phone? That's the day we're talking about. And I was living here in the U.S., she was living in Canada. I couldn't afford to call her during the week. Remember the long distance days too where there's no roaming everything planned? You had to pay by the minute for the call you made? Uh, I was a poor college student, and I still loved my girlfriend back in Canada. So I had to figure out, how do I do that? Well, I could write a letter, but that was a week later. And so we devised a scheme um, that her parents hated. Uh, I would dial the number, right, the rotary phone. I would dial their number, and I would let it ring once, and then I'd hang up. Um, and then I would dial the number again and let it ring a second time and hang up, and then repeat it a third time, so there would be three rings of one ring each time at their house. Anyone guess what it would stand for? See, the, I heard women's voices right away. The romantic women voice says, I love you, right? This was what we hoped to communicate. I love you. And then, so that would happen maybe, well, probably more times than I want to admit during the week. And then on Sunday, when the rates plummeted low, 
I could actually call. And I'd hear her voice. She'd hear my voice. Uh, it was this beautiful phone call that often went way too long, but was really important. When you hear from someone you love, makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes it's in beautiful moments, right? Weddings. What do we do? We invite people we love and we want to hear and have them present and share with them. But also in hard moments. A marriage is struggling. A job is on the line. What do we do but invite people we love to speak into those places? When we hear from someone we love, it can make all the difference in the world. And this morning, some of you know exactly what it's like because when on a human level, some of you would love to speak to a person that you love, to hear their voice, to have them speak about whatever's going on for you or to have you tell them the good or the struggle that's going on. And that, that exchange would be really important. Now, if it's important for you and I as people, let's, we can imagine that the stakes go up for us when it comes to faith. When we hear from our Heavenly Father in ways that we know are designed for us, when the Holy Spirit comes and whispers things that are particular to our lives, to decisions we might be facing, to moments of decision, uh, circumstance, difficulty, even joy that we might be in. Hearing from a Heavenly Father who loves us enough to send His Son with great clarity, hearing from Him to our being, can make all the difference in the world. Not just personally, but then for a family. And not just for a family, but what about for a church in a season of transition? Hearing from a Heavenly Father with clarity about the direction of a community could make all the difference in the world. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to read a passage from John. And we're going to walk through an Old Testament passage that lets us learn a little more. And then at the end, we're going to try something together where we try as a community to listen, what might the Holy Spirit be saying to us today? And so if you want to follow along, I think it'll be up on the screen, but you can also read with me uh, from John 10, verses 1 through 6. Uh, God's word for us today. This is Jesus speaking, and he says these words. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Join me in a prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning, uh, we realize that uh, it is important for us to hear from people who love us. We know already, we've talked this morning, we've heard already that you love us. And so I pray this morning for all of us who long to hear from you, some of us in very particular ways. There are some this morning who need to hear a word that would convict them, some who need to hear a word of comfort. Some of us just simply need to hear a word from you to remind us that you've not forgotten us. And as a church here, Father, in a time of transition, they need to hear from you. 
They want to follow after you with all they are. And so we're your people uh, listening, recipients of your spirit listening. Uh, We want to hear from you, and we pray that uh, you would speak today, that you would speak by your spirit to us in ways that are clear, in ways that lead us to follow you and love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's the thing. As I've thought about this, and maybe you've thought about this whole idea of God speaking to us, we have to acknowledge that there's an oddness, a weirdness factor that sometimes emerges in Christian conversation about this topic. So on the one hand, there's some of us that we've never actually uttered the words. You know, I was was thinking, God spoke to me and said this, because we're just not sure it happens, and if it does happen, how does it happen? So that's sort of the weirdness piece, because on the other end, we've been in Christian circles where people say things like, well, the Lord spoke to me yesterday and said this. And they, they reference it as though they were talking to Jesus over a cup of coffee, and we sometimes wonder, how did that happen? And so there's this continuum of, of conversation about our own following of Jesus that we'd want to be real clear about and just acknowledge. So it, it, we live, you and I, navigating this continuum every day, And here's the thing, some of us on this continuum, we actually think there's probably moments on Tuesday or Saturday or whatever where the Holy Spirit actually did speak. We felt some convicting thing happen when we were praying. We were reading the Bible and it seemed to us as though it was screaming about our life. But we're simply not sure, was that that really God speaking to me? Or we're in a Bible study and we, it seems like we walk away from certain moments in a community or a small group and we walk away and go, something was different there. There was a, a, a weight, a, a gravitas to that. Was that the Holy Spirit convicting us? So we wonder. And then the other piece I think is if we're honest, most of us don't just wonder, but we actually long for it. My bet is in a room like this, there's some of us who, if we were honest, would say something like this. I wish I knew that God was speaking to me. I'd give anything to know his voice. I'm just not sure what to do with my marriage. I'm not sure what to do with my job. I'm not sure what to do with my family. I'm struggling to forgive, and I really wish God would speak to me about that. And there's actually in us this yearning this uh, achiness that we wish God would satisfy by actually speaking. And we navigate this all the time, it seems. Often pursuing God, and when sometimes he just seems relentlessly um, hard to find. And yet we hear that he speaks. And so, um, I want to begin by simply reminding us of some biblical truth, and then following through a passage where this actually takes place. So the, the, the biblical truth part is just to stack up some evidence to remind us of who God is and the nature of what he does. Because sometimes when we have to navigate this sort of piece that we talked about earlier, uh, we forget a little bit of the character and the nature of God. So if you open your Bibles, you, don't have, you can if you like, but I'm going to just reference it. Genesis 1, a passage many of us are familiar with. If you aren't familiar with it, please look it up. What you'll find what I'm saying is true. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Um, And then Genesis 1 verse 2 says this, and God what? God blanked, there be light. God said, let there be light. Arguably the very first 
action, the very first verb applied to God is God speaking. God said, let there be light. God said, let the fish uh, be born in the seas. God said, let the, the birds fly in the air. Let the, God said, let the sun govern the day. God said, let the moon govern the night. That one of the very first things the Bible tells us about God is that he speaks things into existence. The very first thing we read about him is that he's a God who communicates and speaks verbally for things to calm into, come into, be, into being. Really important. One of the first attributes, God is a God who speaks. Genesis 12, again, a familiar passage if you know your Bible, but if you don't, you can go and look. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. God comes to a man named Abraham, and what does he do? Abraham's going about his life, and God speaks to him. I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. We're going to have this relationship together. And what's the first thing that happens in this relationship? The very first thing, how Abram even knows who God is, is that God speaks. That the outset of the relationship with Abram, this covenant relationship that traces its way all through the Bible, is a God who speaks. Genesis 1, God speaks. Uh, initiation of the covenant with Abram, God speaks. It's part of his character. Then you follow through the Old Testament and you have these moments that are curious and strange. God speaks through a vision. God speaks through some uh, dreams. God speaks through a donkey. Uh, God speaks repeatedly over and over again, a burning bush. There are these moments, these theophanic moments, these moments where God appears and speaks to people quite regularly. We're not always told what the mechanism is. Was it like an audible thing? Was it any, but God clearly communicates. Now go to the New Testament. There's a lot of things Jesus says about himself. The Son of God, right? Redeemer, Savior. He also calls himself the living word. That he is God's word to the world. So that when Jesus takes a name for himself... I'm God's message, God's communication, God's word for you. Now, why do I go through all the trouble of adding this up? Because sometimes we wonder, is God actually one who speaks? The answer clearly is yes, because then we'd add to it the fact that the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. That's you and I. And through us, he begins to speak to the entire world. Every language, every tongue, every community, every nation. God's a God who speaks. You could argue, possibly, that one of the most fundamental things that's true about God is from Genesis 1 all the way through, he's a God who's revealing things, who's speaking things, who's communicating over and over again, both to individual people and to whole communities. It's central to who he is. And we mention it so that if there's ever a curiosity or ever a wondering or ever a doubt or ever even a, a belief in you that, nope, God doesn't, you have to weigh all this biblical evidence over against it. God clearly does speak. He speaks to me, he speaks to you, he speaks to the church. And he sometimes speaks in mysterious ways. So we're going to look at a story together. If you want to follow along, you can. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's a famous story. I thought to myself, we could pick a strange story that's unique, God speaking through a donkey, but let's pick one that probably you've heard before and understand some of the dynamic going on. So it's the story of God calling young Samuel, working with the high priest Eli. Now, there's, those are the two characters we're going to talk about in the story. 
If you don't know the story, Eli, high priest. He has one job in this world. His job is to represent God to the people and then intervene from the people to God. He's the intermediary, the priest that goes in between, the communicator between God and humanity, humanity and God. And his job is to raise up a new priest. And Samuel, from a young age, was brought to the temple and dedicated. The plan for Samuel's life is that he would serve in the temple, that he would be in this role right alongside intermediary. Learning how God speaks, learning how to speak on God's behalf to the people. This is his role. So we see this older version and younger version of this uh, priestly role being played out. First, Tam- First Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions Sometimes when you read the Old Testament, you think to yourself, boy, those are strange stories back in the day. And it starts off kind of weird, but it's actually the invitation in. It's an invitation into the story right at the beginning for anyone who feels like the word of the Lord is rare. It's an invitation for any of you and I if we think, it's been a while since God spoke to me. I don't know that I've ever heard God speak. Here's the story beginning. Two people in God's redemptive story are living together, and the word of the Lord is rare. It's a quiet season. There are not many visions. If you know what that feels like in your faith or your community or your small group or your family, God's saying, hey, come on in. If you know what this is like, enter the story. Listen in. I've got something to tell you. So the story continues, verses 2 and 3. One night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel said, here, uh, Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, do not go, I did not call, go back and lie down. Is that the end of verse 3? I think we might have read too far, sorry, and I lost my page. Yeah, we're going to stop there for a second. <laughs> um, if you go back one slide, if that's okay, I want to just draw your attention to two things. So Eli's job, to see on behalf of the people for God, to see on behalf of God for the people to communicate. And look, his eyes are so weak. He could barely see. It's a Bible's hint at the fact that this relationship between God and humanity is sort of struggling right now. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. The lamp of God was always to remain lit. It was never to go out. It was the symbol of God's presence in the people. The lamp of the God had not yet gone out. As if to hint, it's flickering. It's flickering. And everyone would know if that lamp went out, it would be as if God's presence had left. And again, I feel invitation often. Maybe not today, but there's moments where I've felt like that. Where the lamp of faith maybe is not empty or gone out, but it's flickering sometimes. And so we have these invitations into the story. Uh, Eli's eyes are dim. The lamp has not yet gone out. It's a picture of God's silence, of God's quiet, of people wondering, uh, where is this God who speaks?
Let's look a little more, and we'll read the rest of the story for a minute. First Samuel 3, verses uh, 4 to 11. Let's we'll start with the part we started reading. Let's read the rest and see what happens. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. So out of this moment of quiet, lamp is fading. It seems as though God's distant and quiet, a voice. Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. And he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down, and again the Lord called, Samuel! And Samuel got up, and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, and I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now listen to this. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet come to him, it should say. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up. And went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. It had been a long time since even he heard God's word. And he finally realized, oh, it's God. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went down and lay in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So there's a lot going on, a lot we could pause and talk about. I want to simply draw your attention to three statements that seem to emerge out of this, which might be helpful for us to understand, especially when we long to hear from God as individuals, families, community. Here's the first one. God speaks to people even if they don't understand it to be him. God speaks to people even if they don't understand that it's him. Samuel did not yet know the word of the Lord. And yet God spoke to him in ways that he had to figure out and discern and wonder about. I'd like you to imagine that for a minute, that there might be people around you to whom God is speaking even if they're not sure it's him. And what if our job isn't so much about, uh, in some sense, evangelism to help people, but being a spiritual detective with them and say, could that be God speaking to you? What if you tried listening for him? Or maybe we're the one, we're not sure it's God speaking to us, but if we just rubbed up against another follower of Jesus, with wisdom, they might say, are you sure that's not God speaking? But it would require us to be vulnerable and say, I think I hear this from God. Would you help me? Can you see how that only becomes clear when there's a rub? God speaks to people, even if they don't understand it. But in order to understand it, it's going to require some discernment and input from other people. But what if God's speaking to you that way? What if he's speaking to people you know that way? Leads to a second thing. God speaks to people regardless of their spiritual ability. See, my math often goes like this. If I only pray more, read the Bible more, and discipline myself more, then God's frequency with it, he speaks to me, will go up. If you don't know the story of Eli, he's not such a great high priest. 
His reputation isn't one of stellar devotional life and godliness. Yet God speaks to him. Samuel's young. He's an apprentice. He's brand new to the whole thing. And God speaks to him. Walk through the Bible and you'll discover there was nothing necessarily prior to the covenant that made Abraham such a spiritual giant that God would speak to him. Follow Jesus as he recruits his disciples. He goes to a guy named Matthew, a tax collector, who's probably used to ripping people off, not a spiritual giant, but the Son of God goes and says, let me speak to you. There's this scandalous grace about God speaking to people that he reveals himself and communicates uh, independent of people's spiritual ability. Now, somebody's going to say, well, but clearly if I uh, am more attentive and pray and read his word, I will hear, yes. But sometimes I, I come to believe that's the only way I'll cajole God into speaking to me. And what if God is out there scandalously speaking to people and calling them to himself all the time? Let me do a third thing I wondered about. God speaks to people even when it looks like he's silent. See, I watch Eli, and he doesn't know what's going on. He still, even though God's voice is being spoken very clearly, imagines that God is still silent. It's not until the third time where he goes, oh, I get it. Maybe the way to shorthand this is to say something like this. What if you and I, as followers of Jesus entered every small group meeting, every worship time, entered our workplace and neighborhood, operating with the assumption that God is doing more than we imagine or can discern. Think about that. What if I entered my workplace and said, I imagine there's people here that don't quite know that God's speaking, but I'm also going to grant that there's more kingdom things happening here than I might ever discern on my own. And I'll operate with that assumption, God's at work here. What if I entered my neighborhood? What if I entered the conversation at the, uh, at the Y? What if I entered the grocery store, imagining that my Heavenly Father's already doing good things there and speaking good things there, revealing himself there, and my job is then now to be a really good follower of Jesus, a really good discerner of God's work, and a partner with it. This is what happens to Eli by the end. He goes, oh, I remember now. Yeah, God does these things. God speaks these things. Go, make yourself, this is what Eli says, go, Samuel, make yourself available to God. His counsel comes late, but boy, is it right. Hey, Samuel, if he speaks again, make yourself available to him. <laughs> I try to imagine what would happen if I was talking to my neighbor, John, and John came to this, and all I... What if I thought about this and discerned, hey, John, why don't you just make yourself available to God? I think John would probably think I'm weird because he's not a Christian. He thinks I'm weird because I go to church all the time. But what if God is speaking to him? What if we were able to discern in that moment well and wisely that the Holy Spirit's convicting and speaking to us to help that person? I started adding it up. As I think about those statements, I think of the way God spoke to Abraham, mentioned him. Then God spoke, speaks to Moses in a burning bush. And sometimes because we know this story, we don't think it's strange, but it's strange. 
Because based on that, he's supposed to go up against the most powerful figure, Pharaoh, in the whole world. Then God speaks to a liar named Jacob and says, Hey, I know you have this problem with truth, but I'm going to entrust my entire future to you. Here you go, Jacob. The one who can't speak truth, God says, I'm going to get, Jacob, you're my, you're my hope. God speaks to Esther, but then not directly, not in any way that's obvious. Through a whole bunch of other people, Esther discerns that God's speaking to her. Speaks to King David, who's a king, but a murderer and an adulterer, and says, you need to rule in my name. God speaks to a teenage girl, to reckless Saul, to fishermen, tax collectors, to people that are sick, to people that are poor, to a rich young ruler. He speaks over and over in these moments with the expectation that people will know him, hear him, discern and follow him. And often people have to ask questions and often have to rub up against people and ask, what do you think of this? And over and over again, God seems to do this. So we spend a lot of time talking about this, and I, I think it's important to talk about why this matters. And we sort of hinted at it in a fun statement earlier. Uh, when we hear from someone who, love, who loves us, it can make all the difference in the world. But if, let's walk this through for a minute, if God's attribute, one of his primary attributes is to be one who speaks, and if the, the most incredible incarnation of God's activity is Jesus, called the living word, God's communication, it would seem to me that to be a follower of Jesus, we desperately need to hear regularly from God. I do. You do. Uh, your marriage probably does. Your dating relationship needs to hear what God would say about it and to it. Your finances need to hear what God would say to them. Your church leadership needs to hear uh, the convicting, leading work of the Holy Spirit. Your small group does. That quiet place of rebellion that's inside of you, that's broken and sinful and you feel embarrassed and ashamed about, it needs to hear from God. Some of us facing decisions and wondering what to do need to hear. The list could go on and on. So I want to take a bit of a risk. If you don't want to, no problem. You can sit quietly. No one's going to know whether you do what I'm going to ask next or not. <laughs> but some of us might want to if we felt so inclined. Um, let me ask you this question. What would you like to hear from God about in your life? If Jesus could speak by the work of his spirit in you and to you about something, what would it be? A decision? An emptiness? A longing? A relationship? A hard-heartedness? Some forgiveness you've been working on? What, what would you want to hear about? See, because in Jeremiah, there's this promise from God that says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and establishes it, the Lord is his name. Here's the promise. Call out to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So in a minute, I'm, here's what I'm going to try. I'm going to invite you to call out to God. We'll have some music that will play quietly. But we're going to take this invitation of Jeremiah seriously. He says, call out to me, ask me, and I'll answer you. And so we'll talk. Now, here's what some of you are thinking. Well, um... What if I hear something strange? Uh, how will I know it's from God? 
Um, here we're going to live into some biblical truth. Here, here's what Jesus says. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have taught you. We have this gift of the Holy Spirit to lead the church. So if you discern something, you think, oh, God's... Here, don't just... Don't think it... You don't know it's true until you... What did we say earlier? Rubbed up against somebody. So let's imagine in this, the Holy Spirit convicts you, speaks to you, says something to you. Um, your next job is to go to your elder, your small group, your spouse, your friend, and say, would you pray about this with me? Because I think the Holy Spirit was asking me to go and do this. Would you pray about it with me? I'll surrender it to you. I mean, if you don't think it's true, I won't. But if, if, if two or three other people are attentive to God and hear the same thing, if a group of elders discerning the future of a church heard something and prayed about it together, so I realize it feels a bit uncomfortable. Some of us are going, whoa. So just sit quietly. But it seemed if we talked about a God who speaks, it would be fitting for us to pause and say, Holy Spirit, is there something you want to say to me? Or Holy Spirit, I wonder about this. I'd long to hear what you'd say. We'll just have a time of quiet. We'll come back and remind ourselves of biblical instruction of what to do next. But if you're able... I'll open with a prayer and then we'll sit in silence with music playing and let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful that you are the living word, that you promised to send us and have sent your advocate, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would teach us all things and remind us of everything that you've said to us. Holy Spirit, we, we do want to be led by you, this church, its leaders, families, people, small groups. And so, Holy Spirit, would you speak as only you can to our hearts and minds. Give us wisdom to discern, to hear, to listen well to the one who speaks. So, the Holy Spirit may have spoken something. Can I remind you that you test it with this. If God calls you to a moment of repentance, you can go and say, does God normally call people to repentance? Does this fit? God calls you to a moment of courage and you can test it. Uh, you can look through God's word and see, does this fit with the purpose and will of God? It has to. And then you go to someone else and say, hey, I know you guys love me. I know we're in a small group together. I know you're my, my family who I trust implicitly. This is what I heard. I think it fits with God's word. Would you, would you pray with me about it? 
and we become people who listen well and discern. Listen well and discern and then act. And in so doing, we get better and better at hearing from the one who loves us so, so deeply. Would you join me in a prayer? Heavenly Father, for this moment, uh, for this morning, we're grateful that you've poured out your spirit on the church and that that pouring out of your spirit includes this group of people at this moment, at this time, that the same Holy Spirit of Pentecost is poured out on this group of people. That you speak to us and teach us all things. Remind us of who you are. Reveal yourself. So we're grateful. Some of us this morning maybe have heard something we think is from you. Would you give us courage to test it by your word? And particularly, would you give us courage to go to our small group, our spouse, our friends, family, uh, and simply ask? I pray also for maybe those who are Samuel-like, either in age or just where they're at in their life with you, for whom this might be new, for whom they might be young, uh, that there would be parents, youth leaders, whoever, to receive them, maybe a small group to receive them and say, let's pray, let's listen. That seems good. Let's be attentive together to God's Word and the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this church, in whatever chapter is ahead, with uh, Pastor Joel, with the elders, the transition team, that they would be a community led by your Spirit for all that you would call them to, for all that you have in mind for this neighborhood, for the workplaces that are represented here, for your kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And join us in singing.
Heavenly Father sends you out in this week with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God turn his face towards you and may he give you his peace now and always. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.